Oh, welcome to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We're brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. You also want to follow us on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Our guest today, Chris Dawson, joins us for the second time here. Uh, back with us to break down week one of the NFL season. Chris, you know, the main question on everyone's mind, how did NFL week one go for you? <laughs> it was a it was a good first week, a profitable first week. Um, I usually uh, walk very cautiously during week one, so didn't have a lot of plays. Uh, ended up at three and two with um, two of the cashes being money line underdog. So it was a good week. No complaints. Very good. Very good. Yeah, the ones that I put my own money on. Uh, 2-0 for myself when uh, Colts uh, actually bought up a lot. I do that a lot on week one. I buy up a point. So I uh, got Colts 8.5, I believe, and uh, Bills there at plus 3.5. So definitely nice. a good start. Definitely a good start. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's get into that week one, the NFL season there. Uh, who are the guys that made your money this week? I had I started out the week with uh, Green Bay Moneyline on Thursday night, which, um, which went well. And then followed that up on Sunday um, with Minnesota point spread. And then things kind of took a turn from there. I had the Steelers money line on Sunday night. And last night I had the Houston Texans money line and also had the Raiders money line. Goodness. Now, when you look back at, at some of these, obviously it's, you know, uh, looking back in the past there. But do you wish that you, you know, would have stuck with the uh, with the spreads there? I mean, I've, that's obviously yes there. But uh, what, I don't know, what, what kind of led you to believe that those teams would win on the money line? Well, um, Green Bay did exactly what we expected with the, the defense just performed very, very well. That was kind of my, my edge and my angle on that is I believe that Mike Pettin, um, in year two of that defense and with the pieces that they brought in um, at outside linebacker and then the large addition of um, Amos at safety paired with um, with the steal in the draft of uh, Darnell Savage was, was the missing pieces that they needed from um, a defense last year that was already on the upswing. So everything went well there. Um, and of course, the Texans last night was the hard one because you know they covered the spread and and didn't didn't win the money line. Um, there was a you know of course because of how well they performed in the first half, there was a hedge opportunity at halftime to you know kind of secure that money line. And that's sometimes what I look to do in taking um, the money line over the the spread is you know you always have an opportunity to to get a nice middle. Um, if the underdog gets off to a, to a fast start in the first half. And I didn't take that opportunity last night because I uh, just expected Houston to perform uh, in the second half the same way they did in the first half. But you've seen the wild finish, and it just didn't work out that way. Indeed. That was definitely a great start to the uh, the Monday night doubleheader that we had there. Now, do you feel, you know, being that it's week one, that, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is a little better to be cautious rather than, than gung-ho right off the bat? I think that depends on each individual handicapper's approach. Uh, you know, um, it's a speculative week, so that's kind of what you're right. banking off of is some of the things that you hope carried over from last year, some of the things that changed, and, and then having a formula to combine those things to 
make an accurate assessment on what you feel is going to happen. So I think it depends on individual handicappers. I, I really like to uh, you know implement film study and also data in regards to stats into my handicapping. So the further along the season goes, I usually uh, ramp up the volume on, on games that I like. So I think it depends on each handicapper. But f- this was actually one of my um, lowest um, volumes for for a week one. But um, I don't know. I think it's, it's up to each individual approach on, on, you know, how they use what they use in their in their handicapping formula to predict winners. So you just mentioned a little while ago about the film study. Now, have you gone back and lot, uh, watched a, little, a lot of the, the game one film yet? Or is that something, you know, we're going to do here, you know, later today or in the next few days? I'm still, I'm still working on it, but I, I usually get a head start right away on Sunday night. Um, it's something that I think is very important in regards to my future predictions, but I also enjoy enjoy watching the games and seeing exactly how things unfolded. And I think it tells a lot more story uh, in regards to, to stats and, and how they were developed. So I've, I've already gotten to start. I'm, I'm probably about four or five games away from being caught up and being prepared um, completely for week two. So again, with that, uh, with that film study, it kind of leads us into our next question. And again, you know, the first time that you and I talked, you had mentioned that film study is a big part of what you do. Uh, what, you know, just based off what you've watched, uh, from week one so far, who, who's a team that really surprised you a lot and, uh, can probably give us a little bit of value going forward. I don't know about value going forward, but I was uh, surprised by the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Um, not so much in just them covering, covering the line. I, I, I didn't, didn't really have a lean on either side. I thought there was a lot of, uh, up in the air things going on with, with both teams in regards to, you know, of course, coaching changes and, um, in Arizona. And then of course, just the inconsistency so far we've seen, uh, in Detroit, uh, under Patricia's tenure. So I, I shot away, but what I really liked in the film was a rookie quarterback and, uh, also at head coach, um, and Kling, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. That's a tough one. Fact, That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> what well, was the fact that they they didn't fold the tents, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of effort and a lot of still focus on um, not just trying to win the game, but using that as an opportunity to get better. I thought that was a great sign. You know, I've seen in years past when you have a have a first round quarterback starting out, and especially with a you know offensive minded coach come in there, things don't go so smooth in that first half, and you kind of see them just fold the tents. Uh, for that week and they're already ready to get back in the practice and film study preparing for the next week but i was really impressed with just the uh, the overall effort of the team and the focus to to play that patriot way of four quarters the game's not over yet um so that that was really a surprise to me and something that i'll keep my eye out for their for their young group moving forward so I'm interested to ask too, because again, that Detroit Arizona matchup was not one that was was seen by a lot of the country. I believe it was actually in three uh, percent of the country that you know most yeah. people saw it. So again, you did say that you liked Arizona and how they battled back. I mean, was there anything from Detroit where we could say, all right, well, you know, their ineptitude on defense there at the end kind of helped Arizona out? Yeah, of course that that gets factored into, but. I, I also, you know, it's, it's more of the mentality and the effort uh, that they continue to put through and fight. And, and Detroit, that's, you know, one of the reasons uh, that you just mentioned that 
Um, I wasn't backing them last week, and I'm very gun shy of backing them at any time. Is is there's just a lot of inconsistency in the coaching staff, and and I don't know how long that'll hold up there, and if it's going to get any better. But you know, I have the the head coach and the coordinators just just kind of rated really low, and it's hard to trust putting your money behind that group. All right, good to know, good to know. All right, so. I'm pretty sure I know what the answer to this next question is going to be, but what uh, what team really disappointed a lot here in week one? Of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, man, I'm um, good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I went out on a limb, you know, going into Foxborough in week one and, and taking the Steelers on, on the money line. I was way off. Um, there's not any kind of coaching turnover there and other than, the loss of the drama of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, there was very little turnover. I felt like the veteran group would be, um, you know, even if they, of course, didn't win the game, uh, didn't expect their performance to be what it was. But more importantly, um, there was just no emotion, no no energy in the team, and that was even before the onslaught took place. It was right from the bat they they seemed to come in there and taking this as a preseason game, which um, really surprised me. I thought that because of the turmoil and everything they went through in the off season, you know, they're a very uh, veteran peppered team that, that they would be very motivated um, coming in the week one to, to prove something, but that wasn't the case. And it was kind of surprising coming from uh, the Steeler organizations. that's so consistent and, and being competitive. Absolutely. I don't think, you know, you're, you're certainly not alone in that regard and thinking, you know, the Steelers get rid of all these distractions and all right, they could finally get back to, you know, blue-collar football, which is what they do all the time. Uh, so, yeah, certainly shocking to see all that. And you could even say, you know, the Patriots might have had a little uh, distraction knowing that Antonio Brown was coming into their locker room as well. So, of course, definitely uh, definitely not what we all saw coming. But let's, uh, let's take a look now here. I want to talk about, well, obviously, uh, this doesn't even have to do with any games that you picked, but... Was there a line out there in week one that you look back at now and you say, ah, oh, man, I should have I should have taken some action on that one? Yeah, there was there was two that, you know, Sunday night I couldn't really knock out of my mind. And uh, one, of course, was the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, um, it was one of my first leans was was the Tennessee Titan money line on week one. I just felt like the Browns were being way overvalued with having a um, not just a new head coach, but one with no head coaching experience coming in there what really flipped it was the left tackle Lewin was out for the game and I, I scratched it from my list and I kicked myself for that and and also the the Chiefs I mean how easy you know, there was times you could grab a, a minus three this week and I would see it and I kept letting it pass and, and I mean how easy was the Chiefs going into Jacksonville and it it you know it's like the uh you just felt like something was wrong about that number, and it hung so low with lots of money coming in on the Chiefs. So we knew the Chiefs were going to score points, and, and Jacksonville's offense, you know, even though Nick Foles was brought in, we just there's still no concrete basis to trust that they're going to score points there with that coaching staff. So it was definitely one that seemed like a gimme, and and. And why I didn't pull the trigger on it, I have no idea. So, so all right. So I'm glad you mentioned. It. I mean, obviously, you know that that was a game where I felt like you know the Jags kind of being healthy now. Their defense, uh, you know, kind of kind of get back in the fold, having a new uh, off season to kind of uh, reevaluate things there. But yeah, and you know, a lot of people can say, ah, you know what, Foles was injured for that game. You know, that's kind of why it turned out the way it did. No, 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 no. 
the Chiefs had a nice, comfortable lead even before Foles went out in that game. So uh, I believe, what, they scored in their first seven possessions, I believe? Um, I can't say off the top of my head, but it was, uh, you know, an easy victory for them. And it's kind of, you know, if we would have looked at this game in week eight or nine or 10 or 11 of last year and seen the Chiefs going in there at minus three, then it, it would have been a, a a bloodbath at the betting window for everyone to get their bets down and, um just like you, I felt like, you know, Jacksonville was going to be the Jacksonville of maybe 2017 and 16, and that defense would be back. Um, but now in hindsight, you can look and think that, well, there was no evidence of that. Um, the defense, if we look at it from last year going into this year, where we would just be uh, assuming they're going to be better based off of the names on the jersey. But there was, you know, no concrete evidence to that. But it, it was also um, – um, in the mind of me, too, of thinking, you know, well, Jacksonville will be back to Jacksonville and the offense will be better. But there was really there was really no evidence um, to support that argument other than just the, the mental thinking of it. So, um, like I said, if we would have saw that number uh, some any time last year, we have jumped all over it and and uh, should have jumped on it this week, too. But on there'll be a lot more games uh, in the future that take advantage of oh yes i cannot wait we, we've got so many more weeks left of football i cannot wait it's like it's, it's like i was saying to one of my friends earlier this week it's like a it's like a brand new smell in the air now that nfl's here it's it's like that new car smell that you that's you yeah. going on there so i i know i didn't have this question on the docket tonight but uh gardner mishnu who we were just sort of alluding to there uh, any any idea of who this guy is what he's all about uh you know what the jaguars outlook is kind of going forward I've I watched every every game of Washington State last year, um, you know, just as not always live, but just watching the replays as well. And and he he's a has a very consistent and accurate arm. Um, there's just not much steam behind it, and I think eventually it, it'll be bad for the Jags having him in there. And he might not struggle in, in week two or th- or three um, as bad as it will get if they stick with him long term but as film comes out and people um i'm sure the nfl coaches you know they're on top of these things but as the film keeps developing and we see that there's going to be lots of thirds that he just cannot make um it's going to put jacksonville right back where they were over the last multiple years with with portals and um it it, i don't know if they're going to try to find a fix or not but i'm not real high high on the guy being a a starting NFL quarterback, maybe he's a serviceable backup or or something going down the lines, but I think it's bad news for the Jaguars. All right, so before we look ahead to week two, um, you know, I know in our initial sit-down, you really said that you like the Raiders a lot as a surprise team, and to me that was a surprise considering, you know, they do have one of the, the toughest schedules, I guess, going, going on this season where they're going to be going coast-to-coast, country-to-country, you know, so on and so on. However, they look pretty damn good there in week one. Uh, you still you still feel that way about your Raiders with, uh, with Brown in New England, or, uh, you know, was, was this kind of what you were alluding to? Well, it, it it definitely um, it definitely lowers. Uh, I would say it definitely lowers the ceiling to lose Antonio Brown. That you know there was an expectation that he was going to be a large part of the offense, and um, I, I guess you have to grade them lower because of the loss. And in regards to the Week One play, I I wasn't factoring him into my handicapping. I felt like at the 
worst bonus you would get from him playing was be him being a decoy. And this was before the problems with, you know, the general manager and Gruden just because of his feet and not having time to work with the, the offense very much in the off season and preseason. I didn't know how much of an impact uh, he would have in week one. So uh, I didn't really change anything for me except for help my number. I was on the Raiders money line. Um, nice. From the beginning, but I, I, I also was expecting uh, Denver money to come in, even with Antonio Brown, especially as we got closer to uh, game time. So it, it, it added more value to the play. But for the season, um, now that we see how and how things developed, of course, it's better for them uh, to get him out of there now. It would have probably the antics would have carried on all year. We, we, we now know that he just didn't want to be there, regardless of feet and helmet and anything else. Um, he just didn't want to be there, so uh, he was going to be unhappy. So I, I guess you can kind of grade as a double-edged sword. You know, of course, they lost a lot of talent, uh, some draft picks. But on the flip side, you know, just like any business or any team um, atmosphere, you don't want to be involved with someone who does not want to be there. It's going to be extremely counterproductive. So we'll see how it plays out. I, I, I still have the Raiders as being contenders in the, the AFC West, even without him. Um it's probably going to take somebody stepping up from low on the depth chart that we don't see or, or possibly even a, um, a move that the Raiders might make to, to try to bring somebody in. It's, but no, I'm still, I'm still high on the Raiders and, and I, I think it's best for Antonio Brown and the Raiders organization that, that their relationship came to an end. Yeah. He had a great line right there. He said, you know, feet and helmet issues. If anybody were going to have he- feet and helmet issues, it's Antonio Brown by far. Yeah. That, yeah. that's good all right let's look I at mean, it oh go ahead no i'm i'm actually still just perplexed and surprised the whole antonio brown thing because he's went through his whole career not really you know he's a flashy in the way he dresses and things like that but he really never caused any issues in pittsburgh um and it just really sprouted up at the end of the year and now it's an ongoing thing i, I think that'll change but it's still just very surprising um uh if you ask me a lot of people are are acting like he's been like this since, you know, he came into the league and, and, and he really hasn't acted like this until about the last 12 or 16 months. So, um, but yeah, very surprising. Let's look ahead to week two of the NFL season. As I duck and cover my head, I say my Tampa Bay Buccaneers are uh, hosted, or I'm sorry, they're traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers here. Panthers, six and a half point favorites. Uh, here and uh, I guess the interesting number here, you know, the six and a half point favorite uh, number really isn't a shocker to anybody. However, we had the total uh, going here from fifty-two and a half down to forty-nine and a half. Uh, is that what's popping out to you in this game, or anything else uh, that that you see that we could take advantage of? Well, I think the 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 only thing um, really popping out to me is that Carolina is on back to back. Uh, home games to open the season. I think they have a small advantage there. Um, Cam Newton seems to to bounce back and and, and play well um, coming off of losses and, and poor performances. But he's also very hard to handicap. Um, I've seen, I, I would guess I've seen at least 90% of Cam Newton's games and snaps since he came into the league. And even though he can beat any given team uh, on any given Sunday, um, he seems like he takes weeks off, you know, here and there, and, and just is not focused and and putting forth effort to win the game. 
but it's also you know hard to take Tampa Bay with the way they looked last week. I didn't pull pull the trigger on anything Tampa Bay San Francisco, but um, I did of course you know thoroughly look the game over and, and kind of felt if I was forced to make a play, it would have been on Tampa Bay. I was surprised in the, in the way they performed. I think the Thursday night's uh, probably going to have to be a pass for me as of now. I just can't trust um, either organization at this time. So in, in the over-under, I haven't really gotten the, the breakdown um, in regards to that number. It doesn't surprise me that it's moving down considering it's a division game and Carolina's offense did not look good last week and, and neither did Tampa Bay. So I think the, the number getting pounded down doesn't really surprise me much and wouldn't be surprised if it fluctuates around there and and if it stays there through midweek i wouldn't be surprised if it maybe even moves down a little bit further before we get to kick off on thursday night yeah i think one of the things that really miffed me as a bucks fan is the fact that you know two touch i believe two touchdowns from each side were called back in that game uh so you know as somebody who really liked the over you know i had it in one of the write-ups that i did but, um, you know, again, that certainly mitigated what, what could have been a profitable play there. Uh, you know, again, just a lot of mistakes. And the Buccaneers made so many mistakes. There was a, there was a preseason game where they had three straight uh, fourth downs where they, where they either had too many guys on the field or they had too few guys on the field on special teams. So, again, uh, this coaching change, I guess, isn't really working out so well for them. But I think the the one thing to look at here, too, is, you know, we've seen a lot of road teams struggle on Thursday night, you know, having the short week where you finish your game on set, on Sunday and then you got to prepare Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, probably even travel early on that Thursday or late on that Wednesday, whatever the case is. So uh, I, I would say that the road team is at a distinct advantage. Do you agree? Um, I, well, in, in regards to this game, I, I don't really give Carolina much home field advantage with playing Tampa Bay. You know, it is a division game and Carolina's home field in regards to its atmosphere and fans is, is poor. It it really is. I don't, it's just, I guess you'd have to be there. I've been to multiple Panther games and, and, um, I do think that it helps that they have back-to-back home games just for the players traveling and, and everything like that. But, you know, it's it, – I don't don't really try to – I guess I should say I don't think too much about the traveling aspect on a Thursday. I think it's a short week for both teams, and, and, and it kind of serves as a disadvantage to both of them. It's just learning about the coaching staffs and, and see which ones are more adept at, at – playing well on a short turnaround like that fair enough and again i spent the night in charlotte i would have rather stayed in the hotel room the whole night so yeah goes for the whole city football football stadium to the nightlife all the same all right so i mentioned uh you know on the the questions i have for you today i mentioned a few games before we get to those i actually wanted to ask you are there were there any that really stuck out to you that we should start out with um i'll have to Pull up the schedule. You kind of caught me by surprise. Yeah, I, my bad. That that'll happen. <laughs> well, how about this? Yeah. How about we start with the the Patriots Dolphins game, because that that is just an absolutely absurd line where we saw it open at 15, 15 and a half some places. Seen it jump up to nineteen at some spots as well, eighteen and a half most of the places. But uh, you know, this sh- this should be the first game with Antonio Brown for the Patriots. We saw how they looked. Uh, against the Steelers there on Sunday night. We also saw how the Dolphins looked in week one against the Baltimore Ravens, allowing uh, Lamar Jackson to have the game of his life. 
So uh, I, I guess, you know, knowing all that information, uh, what side are you leaning on here? I can't make a play on, on that game at all. You, you immediately have to scrap the Dolphins. It wouldn't matter if they were, you know, getting 28 and a half at this point. Um, until we really see how they react to the Ravens, I think you, uh, you automatically have to scrap them. Is this I, I would have not put my money behind them, at least not this week going into week two. Uh, just with the way they perform, and then the reports coming out that, you know, of course, players are already looking to jump ship. Now, you would think that makes New England the play, but because of it being up above three scores like that and us knowing how smart of an organization and how smart um, Bill Belichick is in running his team, I wouldn't be surprised if New England goes down there plays for the first half is up 21 24 to nothing or or to you know 24 to 3 or something like that and then they come out in the second half and are just stagnant and do nothing because they don't want to show anything um out of the playbooks moving forward and, and also you know wanting to shut antonio brown and then possibly even brady down next week and and allowing the dolphins and their young head coach who is uh you know former employee of new england and bill belichick maybe he'll let them have a little bit of practice and, and get a backdoor cover so it's it's just unfortunately I, I don't like the game at all and i wish it wasn't taking place because that's just one less opportunity uh, for me to pull the trigger on something but i mean i don't see anything there um so it, it's definitely a no-go for me, but I'll be watching the, the, the film and trying to get through it on Monday or Tuesday of next week. We'll, we'll see what, how it all shook out. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the, the last Patriots loss was actually down in Miami. Now, I am in no way saying that this will happen again, but I don't know if you remember last season. The uh, uh, No, I'm sorry. They lost at Pittsburgh the week after the uh, that what that last second it wasn't a hail mary but you know the uh screen pass play that worked out well for yeah i don't have it in front of me but i think brady um i'm pretty sure i've i've already glanced at something this week that you know i think brady performs poorly in miami you know compared to other places you know based off of the tom brady curve but um and that could be i don't quote me on that but um either way i you know, uh, I, I guess if you if you have some other long long money line uh, favors that you wanted to couple that with with New England, maybe you could try to somehow salvage some profit out of New England. But I think it's going to be hard to do this week. All right. Uh, one of the interesting line movements that I saw, uh, we talked about the Cardinals a little bit earlier, but uh, and the Ravens as well. So Ravens opened as nine point favorites. Uh, actually, jumped to thirteen and a half here. Uh, going up against the Cardinals, we're going to have the Cardinals coming east to west uh, in this matchup here. We even saw the total go from 41.5 to 47. So, you were singing the Cardinals' praises earlier. You think they could cover two touchdowns here in Baltimore? I think they could, but won't. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I just think that John, you know, John Harbaugh having – at least that one tape of Kyler Murray to look over and, and the Kingsbury offense will, will definitely probably dampen uh, what Arizona wants to do on offense. And, and, you know, from watching the, the, the Ravens tape, I mean, they didn't Lamar or yeah, Lamar Jackson didn't have to run the ball. Uh, it was pretty effortless, but we also, 
saw that Lamar Jackson completed a lot of those passes in very tight windows. You know, these yeah. guys weren't necessarily just running wide open in the middle of the field with no one around them like it was a broken down college defense. So um, I think the Ravens were very, very impressive, um, even though they were playing the Dolphins. And it's not just because of the score and the stat sheet, but when you watch the tape, uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, it's premature to say that it's going to continue all year, but you can definitely see a lot of strides and the way he's throwing the ball last week and, and, and his confidence. And, and so I, I would not feel confident with Arizona coming into Baltimore um, plus the 13. Yeah, it was interesting too. Detroit, you know, with their plethora of receiving options, they were supposed to take advantage of the fact that, you know, Patrick Peterson, he's out for the first six games. Uh, I believe Alford, the other starting cornerback, was out. So uh, both starting cornerbacks for the Cardinals had not played a snap in the NFL uh, prior to week one in that matchup. So, I mean, look, they, the, the Lions did what they were supposed to early. So we'll see if the, uh, the Ravens could actually uh, finish with what they started there. Uh, another interesting game here. Now, the schedule makers certainly did the Bills some favors here. So they're actually going to be playing at MetLife for the second straight week. A uh, couple of books had, I've seen varying lines on this. I, I, I it's tough to say because I actually saw the Bills open at plus three, but then I looked on some other sites and saw that you know they were slight favorites at the open there. So they actually got Bills uh, minus one and a half favorites. I somebody told me two and a half as well. So we're gonna you know here, here we are on a Tuesday you know doing this podcast. We gotta get this right sooner. But uh, <laughs> how do you feel about them for the second straight week at MetLife uh, this time taking on the Giants? I, I after watching the, the Giants-Cowboys game and again the score was really bad and um, the Giants were the Giants. Um, but they, they had some flashes. They, they definitely had some flashes of things looking better on offense. Uh, Eli did come out in that first quarter with a little bit of pep in his step and, and not like he had a big brother on the sideline who was going to assault him or do something to him if he didn't <laughs> perform um, to his liking. So, you know, I, I think the the market is, is really reacting because they have a short fuse with the Giants. You know, everyone, um, especially a lot of – giant fans who, who like to back that team heavily and and, and kind of overvalue them at the times of maybe jump ship already. They seem to be jumping ship earlier and earlier every year. Um, but I don't think it's going to be uh, real sweet for the, for the bills to go in there that they didn't look that great last, last week against the jets. And uh, I think the giants do have some things to build off of um, from last week. So, it's really a hard one to, to pin down at this time. I, I'm also curious to kind of see where the line lands and wouldn't be surprised if just like the, the Bills Jets last week, this one comes down, you know, to, to ending within three points one way or another. So it's going to be hard to predict, um, you know, how, how, how it'll play out in the end. And, and I doubt I'll have any money um, on either side, but it, it is something I'm keeping an eye on because, you know, the Giants are um, a heavily bet on team, and um, oftentimes you can find value with them or without them. And, and I do like to handicap the Giants, but this probably won't be the week for, for that. But I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if, they, uh, if they're able to pull off the win Sunday. I wouldn't be shocked at all. All right, so one of the more surprising results that we saw in week one was the Bengals actually hang there with the, with the Seahawks. And I guess surprising is a tough word depending on who you ask, but uh, – 
I, no other quarterback had more passing yards in the NFL in week one than Andy Dalton. Uh, now he's going to be taking on a 49ers team. So the Bengals actually opened as one-and-a-half-point dogs. Now have since moved to one-point favorite uh, going up here against the Niners. What say you in this one? Well, we, we, we look at the line movement there, and, and it doesn't really change much. You know, we're trying to pick the winner between the two mm-hmm. um, when, when it's not – it's crossing over zero like that. I think the Bengals were undervalued last week. I, again, because of the not just new coaching staff, but the fact that you know the very little experience of coaching at all and no experience of being a head coach kind of gave me pause with the Bengals. But I, everything besides that had me um, wanting to take them last week at Seattle. Um, I do think they're better than, than most people are, are ranking them and you know power rankings and things like that. Um, and I think they're going to put they're going to put um, San Francisco in a world of hurt on Sunday. Actually, I think uh, San Francisco playing you know back to back here on, on the East Coast will will take a toll on them. Um, and, and the Bengals coaching staff showed me enough last week to start building confidence within their group. So. I, I like the Bengals all the way up to the minus three if it were to, to come to that. But um, So that's definitely one that I'll be watching closely to, to try to jump in at the right time and, and get maximum value out of the Bengals. All right, so I think one of the more interesting ones, probably not going to be the best game of the week, but definitely one of the more interesting ones here. So Cowboys open as six-and-a-half-point favorites. We've seen them go all the way down to four-and-a-half. Uh, this all while Dallas is getting 87% of the public bets. And, of course, why wouldn't we? Uh, that was the national game of the week on Fox uh, for for the 4 o'clock slate there. So, uh, you know, the, the rest of the nation saw them absolutely demolish the Giants. So this is uh, it's kind of an interesting thing where the public is, you know, just hammering one side, yet the line is going in the underdog's favorite. Uh, are we really? Seeing the Redskins going to do well here against the Cowboys? Well, sure. It's um, you know, there's there, it's a big rivalry game. I still think that means something, even even in uh, today's football. Maybe not as much as it did before, um, but you know, the, these teams see each other and study each other, and also build and prepare their teams to beat one another. Because before you get to the Super Bowl, you you really need to match up well with your division and try to win your division. So. Uh, the Redskins interior of their defense is, is tough. I think Dallas is going to have trouble running the ball, um, on them on Sunday. So I, am not surprised, uh, that the, that the Redskins are, are getting less than a touchdown at home. You know, the, the line moving from six and a half to four and a half, I don't think it took that much money and volume to do it. It's kind of a, in some ways, I think a little mind trick that the sports books will do sometimes. You know, it's not like they have an exact formula of if X amount of dollars come in, we move the line X amount of points. Um, but for, a, I don't want to say uneducated better, but maybe someone who doesn't understand live movement as much can see something like that. And, and just from the movement alone, they think, well, everyone's taking the Redskins. Everyone's taking the Redskins. Uh, I and, and maybe they get some, some extra money coming in on the Cowboys because I do think the Sharps – are on the Redskins this week. I think they played overall well against Philly. Uh, most people were kind of even surprised by their performance overall. And um, again, I think there's a you know 
the fact that they, they know the Cowboys well. Uh, each team knows each other as well, and it's going to go down to the last possession. You know, Does that mean the Cowboys win by six or seven and, and cover that four and a half, possibly? Um, you know, The Redskins could also steal this game and get a home win. So um, I wouldn't be too concerned about the line movement and the betting averages and things like that. For one, it's very early in the week. You know, We, we could easily see this number move back to the six, six and a half. So two more games left to get to before we get out of here for the week. Possibly the two biggest ones. Uh, we've got that Saints Rams NFC Championship game. I mean, big question is how are they going to how are the Saints going to rebound? We all know, but what do you think about teams playing on a uh, on a Monday night coming into the next week? What was that about the Monday night? Oh, how, how do you feel about teams playing on a Monday night? You know, carrying over into the next week. Okay. Um... I, again, I don't think you can you can put you in the wrong at some point um, for a veteran like Drew Brees and, and and the Saints coaching staff. I don't think it's that big of an effect. You know, it was a big Monday night win, but they've been here before. They've you know had to answer all the newspaper questions and go through the text from Grandma about what a great finish, and he pulled <laughs> it out again. And I don't think it's as much as a distraction. Uh, for the Saints, you know, coming off of uh, a big Monday night win like that than it would be for um, some other teams. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. You know, I, I'm not real high overall on the Saints this year. Um, but, again, you know, they, they do have Drew Brees, and he looked like Drew Brees the other night, and not much has changed there. Um, the Rams had a tough game, you know, flying cross-country and going into Carolina. Uh, it was also one of my leans that I just – couldn't pull the trigger on um still not just 100 percent sold on on the rams coaching staff i think that belichick kind of gave you you know a uh tape reel of of ways to break down that offense and we still need to see if if the young mcveigh you know if he can reinvent himself multiple times because that's what it's going to take you know you have to reinvent your offense sometimes in the nfl andy reads a master at it um, of course, Belichick's a master at rebuilding any part of his team and, and changing their identity. It'll be curious to see if the Rams can, can at some point do that this year because I think teams are starting to find ways to stop them. Yeah, so uh, what I found interesting here, already two-thirds, and again, this is no surprise, You know, two-thirds of the bets are on the Saints. You know the public is obviously thinking they're going to get revenge. They're going to come out and kick some tail in this one. But even with all those bets, you got the, the Rams line dropping from uh, – three down to two and a half which is a much more favorable number there so oh yeah i I would certainly like that one in favor of the rams all right let's close this out talking about the big monday night game the cleveland browns at the new york jets odell beckham gets to go back to metlife stadium however the bigger story in this one the loser goes to owen two a very important game for both sides so how do you see this one playing out uh, the Jets, the Jets, like I've mentioned with some other teams uh, before, you know, they they get to stay at home. I think that's a great advantage to them. Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator coming from Cleveland is, yeah. you know, also a storyline other than just Odell Beckham. And I'm, I, I am not a believer, like I said before, in the Cleveland Browns coaching staff and the Freddie Kitchens. Now, that's not to say that I'm not going to give them a chance, and I'm curious to see how things develop. Um, even though Adam Geist, the new coach at the Jets, you know, hasn't performed well in the past, you know, he's at least 
what's he on round two now so he's had some experience in, in, in failure before and and i think the jets are going to be okay this year i think the defense is a little more solid than cleveland uh on the flip side it doesn't necessarily say that i, I think the jets are going to guarantee and steal this game on monday night because the reason everyone's excited about the Browns is because they are um, an offense that could just explode and really get rhythm um, at any time. I think it's going to be just a great game, though, and and really looking forward to it. If I had to take a lean right now, I haven't really finished handicapping the game. I, I am kind of leaning towards the Jets. You know, I think it's um, I just think they're overall the better team, and and I'm I'm not sold on this whole Cleveland coaching staff. I, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if it, you know, implodes this year. But again, you know, I have no evidence of that, and you know, got to give everyone their fair shake. All right, all right. So we talked with Chris Dawson today, uh, the second one of his podcasts, and good news for all the listeners out there. We're gonna have Chris every Monday for a podcast out here, breaking down each week of the NFL season. So that's gonna be awesome to see. Any any content specific uh, out there on SportsPredictor.com that the folks could look out for this week? Yeah, we'll be uh, uploading, starting to upload um, some plays tomorrow for for college football on Friday night, and also, of course, you know the call the full college and NFL slate coming up this week. Is expecting to have probably ten plus plays on college football, and uh, definitely five plus plays on NFL. Just finalizing some, some things now, and um, plays will be released starting tomorrow and leading all the way up till Saturday and Sunday morning. So very excited. Um, for the week ahead and, and having some, some film to, to grasp and digest and starting to get some stats coming in. So I'm uh, looking forward to a very profitable NCAA and NFL football season as Sports Predictor. Awesome, awesome. Once again, folks, you find all that information on sportspredictor.com where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winners. Once again, sportspredictor.com. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us. We will uh, we'll talk with you next week. Thanks, so. We'll see and you of later. of course, good luck. Thanks. Bye. All right. All right, folks, we'll see you next week.